Welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast with Jesse Fritz and Christina Sangera. Excited to have you guys here. This week, we spoke with Kathy Davis from Veg Inspired, and I was inspired by this <laughs> conversation. I thought I'd be a little goofy in the beginning. I was inspired because I'm a meat eater, and mm-hmm. Jesse, you're kind of a meat eater, and you're going more into the plant-based lifestyle, but I really loved just all the different ways in which I can incorporate more plants Mm-hmm. And maybe eventually go toward meatless, but at least I don't have to go from zero to a hundred. I just love the whole conversation, but that was the one that stuck out to me. She's not dogmatic. I like right. how she really inspires people to start slow and just start adding and building. I felt inspired to think of how I can incorporate more plants into my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a fun conversation. And then, of course, fangirl moment about her living in an RV because I really yeah. want to do that. So, right. I, I we were excited when we, um, when we were talking about, uh, inviting or having Kathy on the podcast, one of the things that we wanted to make sure is we don't really want anybody on the podcast. That's going to be super dogmatic. Right. And I know that the vegan plant-based community sometimes gets a bad rap sometimes for good reason. And sometimes for not. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as someone personally that I, I am transitioning to be more, if not completely plant-based, I'm not being super strict with it right now. And I know that it's something that's like very not talked about and, or very like, no, no in the chronic illness space. So I, we were really excited to bring Kathy on because of exactly that. She is talking about like, how can you incorporate more plants in your life? Like she's not, she's not out here trying to like make everybody that listens to the podcast become a vegan. And, um, and I think that that's really helpful because then you can put aside, you know, any, um, pre pre notions. Is that the word like that you have preconceived notions? There it is big words that, um, (laughs) that you might have about the plant-based community. And instead just listen to the importance of adding more plants to your life, whole foods, plants to your life and, and how good it can be for you. Even if you stay a complete meat eating meat eater, I think that it's important to, um, still be incorporating plants and stuff like that, because I don't know about you when I was eating like straight keto or like super paleo or whatever. And all I was eating was like a big, thing of meat every night and I wasn't eating any vegetables with it. I was like, my, my digestion was off and stuff like that. So I think even if you're a meat eater, adding more plants to your diet is really important. So she kind of gave us the science behind it, but then also, um, her cookbooks, right? Yeah. I like the cookbooks because she talks about how to eat. I think it was like a $7 meal for three days and just how to eat plant-based and not super expensive. I also, to your point that you just made, we talked about how it's so easy to go extreme in either direction. So there's a lot of people who they go plant-based and they start eating Oreos because they're vegan. And so Mm -hmm. we talked a lot about there's a difference between plant-based and eating mostly plants and then plant-based and eating the processed food counterparts. I like that Mm -hmm. a lot too, because I think plant-based started as a revolution to eat more plants, which is good for you. And then slowly it became the food industry trying to hack our taste buds as they, as they do, as they will. Right. Right. I like that part a lot. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I think they'll like it. Yeah. It's not all about vegan Oreos and vegan Doritos, right? Right. (laughs) And that's why so many nutrient deficiencies can happen, (laughs) which we do talk about that Mm -hmm. part. I liked as well. We hear all the time that when you're, when you're plant-based, you're going to have nutrient vitamin and mineral deficiencies, but here's the deal. I'm myself. And I know a lot of people who eat meat who have low iron and other things. So I don't necessarily think it's 
just a plant issue. I think it's mm-hmm. bigger than that. And we talked about how the gut is really the player there and has much less to do with actual meat or not eat not meat than we think. And again, this is coming from a meat eater. So mm-hmm. I, I really do. I always try to stay open minded and I try to not ever say that I wouldn't do something. I love learning about different ways of doing things. And I think people that are listening will like that approach here. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Plus Christina is telling us all about how she wants to live in an RV and <laughs> Kathy lives in an RV and has for like three years. So it was interesting. I'm so too, fangirl that. about that. <laughs> I'm so fangirl about that. Oh, I'll be honest. It's like, it's not my vibe every now and then we'll watch like tiny homes. And I think that they're so cool. Like when we were in blowing rock a few weeks, weekends ago, I watched like four hours of this tiny home nation show that I'm obsessed with. Um, and then my husband's like, Oh, would you live in a tiny home? Cause he's super like, he would live in the middle of nowhere, like completely off the grid. If he could convince me to go away from target. And I'm just like, (laughs) You know, <laughs> I think it's like a cool place to stay, but I don't know that I could do it, but it was cool just to see that, you know, she gets to, what'd she say? She's like, she's chasing flip-flop weather or something like that. So she's yeah. like, you know, going where it's warm and, and yeah, just, I don't know. It seems really fun. Yeah. I was inspired by that too, just personally. I always, it's so funny. Your hubby is like, me and my (laughs) hubby is like you but we both know that it's good to have people who can compliment us and pull us off the ledge if you will (laughs) you know there's plenty of times i would have just sold our house and been in the tiny home by now (laughs) and that probably wasn't in our best interest at the time so yeah maybe not but hopefully maybe in the future we'll see christina if you can drive your rv over here to north carolina (laughs) see exactly i can take my home anywhere (laughs) yeah (sighs) Well, anyway, let's head to the episode. Oh, what were mm -hmm. you going to say? I was just going to say, is there anything that's been going on for you this week health-wise or? Oh, oh, yes. Um, No, not really. I just, I think for me, I've, my sleep is wonky in the third week of my cycle. Mm -hmm. And I really have to work on my mindset during that time and not let myself get overwhelmed by it. I know you've probably dealt with that where you have enough bad nights of sleep that you're kind of feeling overwhelmed and stressed and like your body just is not working the way that it should. So I've just been having to navigate that and I understand that it's cyclical, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up um, your cycle because I'm, I just started my new cycle. So I got my period this week and I just feel like I've been very off this week, my Mm -hmm. digestion and all this stuff that kind of happens. It's interesting. Usually the day before or the first day of my period, I tend to feel the worst, but this month it was the second day. And I don't know, like, I don't know if like my miscarriage kind of changed up my hormones and stuff. Right. It's only been like two months since that. So I'm sure, Mm -hmm. or two cycles since that. So, um, so I'm just kind of getting used to like what's happening, uh, but I'm feeling much better today. But, but yeah, mine's been cycle induced as well. I'm just like, "Hmm, what's going on here? (laughs) Well, I think as people with chronic illness, it's so important to remember that every little symptom is not necessarily cause for concern. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to over as HSPs, which was just (laughs) talked about on a recent episode, we're very in tune with our bodies. And we notice every subtle shift, which is a blessing and a curse in some ways. And the curse part of it is just, we need to learn how to navigate that and say, okay, I am going through this little rough patch, but I also know that I've gotten through this rough patch before just, and I'll do that again. I think that 
as chronic illness warriors, it's just really easy to get hung up on our symptoms and to think mm-hmm. that they're going to be forever and to not believe that maybe they're just passing through and then they're going to be gone soon. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think that uh, I've been trying to get better at, okay, cool. I'm having a weird moment. Let me analyze a little bit, but let me not also spend all day on Google and Mm -hmm. worrying that something is inherently wrong because I feel like then I'm also setting up the stage for my body to not be able to heal. The Mm -hmm. irony of that is that I'm telling my body that it's sick and so then it's just going to continue to be sick. The best moments I've had when it comes to my sleep in particular are when I'm just not stressing about it, even when I have a bad few days of sleep cool, whatever. It is what it is. It's better than three months, which is what it was when I became a new mom. I think I slept two hours a night for three months straight. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I know. Don't even get me started on that. That's the reason I won't have another kid. It's the reason. People always ask me and I, sometimes I wonder if they think I'm selfish and I then think I don't care because you don't have to deal with me when I have not slept. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Until you have dealt with it. People people don't realize and it's one of those things they don't really tell you oh you're not gonna sleep huh no you don't freaking sleep <laughs> like it's not funny you know <laughs> yeah yeah so now yeah. every new parent i kind of do this i'm doing little prayer hands right now <laughs> that's that's my thing i'm, I'm yeah. like bless you i know yeah. right now is really fucking hard <laughs> yeah, send them some prayer hands emojis and yeah that know, was the some... hardest thing i have by far ever been through was those yeah. three months and i think that i think that was my postpartum depression yeah i think it was lack of sleep looking back because lack of sleep impacts everything i'm not saying mm-hmm. that other people's this wouldn't be it but i sometimes wonder if mothers got sleep in the beginning would their ppd and ppa be as tragic yeah yeah i don't know but yeah i i totally see that because that that's one thing that my husband and I fear the most about it for sure is because both of us, and it's been helpful. We got a puppy a few weeks ago, but it's, it's been helpful a little to taste. like, yeah, getting that taste again and being like, okay, we we're okay. Like yeah, granted yeah. he's okay. I've been sleeping in my bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw that on your YouTube. I was like, oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. At first I'm like, are they breaking up? And then I no. was like, no, no, they have a puppy. <laughs> no, we have a puppy, but, but yeah, I, I feel that, but, um, But yeah, so for everybody that's listening today, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and join our Facebook group. It's Chronically Healing Community. And where am I going? Oh, yeah. And (laughs) follow us. Great. Hashtag brain fog. We're just in the brain frog crew today. Yeah. Brain frog. Frog. Wow. It it is time. It's okay. We've each had a week for sure. So, what she's trying to say is go to our community on Facebook, Chronically Healing Community. We're definitely Mm -hmm. trying to revive it. So, go engage with us. When we ask questions, don't ignore us. (laughs) I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, Yeah. And then you said rate on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe and and follow us on Instagram, all the things and, and make sure that, yeah, you let us know what you want to hear on the podcast. We're always open for that and stay tuned for some new things coming, but why don't we jump into this episode with Kathy? So y'all can learn from this wonderful plant inspired person. I think you guys will really enjoy her episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Christina Sangara. We're so excited to be back with another interview for you guys this week. And today we are talking to Kathy Davis. Kathy, we're so excited to talk to you today about plants, vegetables, and all of the things that I feel like people 
don't always want to talk about, but they're the good things in life. And I'm really excited to, to dive into your business and what you do. So can you give us a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. And thanks so much, Jesse and Christina for having me here. My name is Kathy Davis. I'm a plant-based lifestyle coach and cook three-time cookbook author. And I've been really eating on the vegan spectrum for about eight years. I was introduced to the concept of eating plant-based or vegan eight years ago by my husband. He read some articles and was like, we really need to look into what the most optimum way of eating is. And we just started experimenting. And to be honest, I was pretty resistant. So I definitely feel all of the feels that people have around plants and around the, you know, the restrictiveness that sometimes comes with that vegan, vegan mindset or plant-based eating in general. And, but about two years ago, I went from like that vegan junk food mentality to mm. more of a whole food plant-based approach because I was starting to show signs of, you know, pre-diabetes illness, chronic fatigue, and just feeling crappy. Mm. And my, my research over the eight years really showed that more whole plant foods, eating more plants would would lead to good results. And that's what I saw. And Mm -hmm. that really led me into writing the cookbooks and then being able to transfer the information that I've learned, the experiences that I've learned and empower others to step into their best self and their genius through the power of eating plants. So that's where we are today. Yeah. I love that. And I too, I think it's so interesting what you just mentioned. I feel like so many people, cause I just started eating a, a more plant-based diet. Um, it's been pretty, pretty, I wouldn't say strict, but pretty plant-based recently more than I was before. And I think that a lot of people, or at least a lot of people I know that have gone plant-based or just added more plants to their diet. It's very easy to like jump into this, um, junk food space of even, even outside of plants, for example, um, having Hashimoto's, a lot of us are gluten-free and it's so easy. Everybody's like, Oh, you're gluten-free, you're healthy. And it's like, No, not necessarily. If you start eating all the gluten-free or the vegan snacks or all these things, and it's not necessarily that like you can't do that. Right. But it's, um, it's easy to kind of fall into that trap for sure. Especially when you first get started, because you're just trying to, um, you're like, okay, I can't eat cheese anymore. So now I need to get a vegan cheese. I can't eat a ranch anymore. So now I need to eat a vegan ranch or whatever. So versus like, Um, for me, I've been trying to incorporate more plants versus, um, versus like trying to fix it or like find something else to, to take over if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that's exactly what happened. Like I was early on, we were making queso cheeses with cashews (laughs) and squash and all these things. And then, you know, eight years ago, so many products have come on the market since then that are plant-based or vegan. It's almost like you're like, Ooh, a new product on the market. And I'm sure the same thing with people who are gluten-free, you're like, mm-hmm. Ooh, a new gluten-free product. I got to try that. And the next thing, you know, you're six days in and you've eaten it every day. And right. that's, you know, my philosophy is really intention over perfection because the restriction is what causes us to really fall off out of alignment with our goal. And I use mm-hmm. that word a lot. Like I'm, I talk, when I talk to my clients, I'm like, you're eating in alignment with your goal. If your goal is to eat more plants, is this food that you're picking up and putting in your mouth, is that an alignment or is that an intentional choice to eat unaligned? Because 
like everybody, I want that vegan burger and vegan fries at a, at a restaurant too. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I, I know that for myself, I choose not to eat that every day. Mm-hmm. I think it's also really easy to forget that ideally when you go plant-based, the goal is to be healthier. But I feel like the food industry, let's just call it, I think of this big bubble somewhere <laughs> looking down <laughs> on us, the food industrial complex. <laughs> I feel like once they get involved, whether it's gluten-free or plant-based or whatever, all of a sudden it starts to become, how can we hack things? How can we make the, and, and they do the same stuff that the big food people do, where they try to hack our taste buds and they try to make it pleasurable. So we want more and more of it. I like how your approach is not that. I like that you actually just want to advocate for more plants. I think that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. And I just notice so many other cookbooks or people that are advocating for this, they're saying things like, well, you can still have your pizza. It's just going to be vegan pizza. And to mm-hmm. your point, yes, that's enjoyable. But on a daily basis, even if it's plant-based, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be good for us. And that's why I think so many people run into health issues and they say, I went plant based someone told me that I was supposed to get healthy with this and I totally right. didn't and they don't realize it's because they just replaced like for like or what do they say apples for apples oranges for oranges so that really brought that home for me I think sometimes people don't realize that the processed stuff is is to me just as bad as the processed conventional stuff mm-hmm. yeah and and honestly Christina like that brings up the whole point like you brought up the food industry just the marketing in general right? They throw whole wheat on a box of Pop-Tarts and people automatically think it's healthy, but they forget that it's got like, I don't know how I'm, I'm not quoting. This is not accurate. Like 7 billion grams of sugar, right? Which totally (laughs) affects our system. Especially Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're dealing with chronic illness, sugar is like the feeder of pain and inflammation and all of that. And it really makes people feel terrible. And we don't know, Right. That was one of the things that I didn't understand eight years ago. And then even two years ago, I didn't know how good I could feel until I gave it a true shot and really started to identify sleep, better digestion, just overall energy. I mean, the fact that I can, you know, run a full time business author cookbooks and I travel full time in an RV. So we're constantly moving and, you know, just different facts about my life. Like I don't have time to be tired and Mm -hmm. eating this way has really changed that side of my life as well. Not just from like the, the health that you can see, but like the inside health that you can't see. Well, and can we go back to sugar really quickly? Because this is something there's a YouTuber that comes to mind I'm curious about your thoughts on this. So we all hear sugar from foods that are processed or processed sugar, and then sugar from fruits. We know that generally speaking, fruit fructose is better tolerated because you've got the fiber and the other things to assimilate it. There's a YouTuber, however, who advocates, just as an example, this is coming to mind, five plus bananas in mm-hmm. one sitting. I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Do you still feel like we need to regulate our sugar a little bit, even when we're eating fruits? Because I feel like a diabetic, a banana is a banana. Okay, so I'm trying to think of how many grams of sugar is in a banana. But basically, you're eating close to 100 grams of sugar with those five bananas. And and this person actually said that it helps people with diabetes. So I was a little thrown off by that. I'm just really curious about your thoughts on fruit. Should we or shouldn't we go to town on that when it comes to the plant-based lifestyle? So I follow, I tend to follow the, the high carb, low fat 
vegan approach, which is very, very different from what most of us have, have heard. And as a former, you know, weight watcher and every other diet you can imagine, I was scared in the beginning to really eat that high carb, low fat way of eating. But what I found was that when you eat non-complex carbs or when you eat complex carbs, which are the ones that we should be eating, the potatoes, the rice, the whole grains, things like that, you can, it actually fuels your energy. But things like fruit, especially in weight loss situations, you really, based on what the information says from these high carb, high carb doctors or starch based doctors, you really need to rein it in because there's multiple reasons. One, it, it is while fruit sugars are, you know, much better for you and much more, um, energizing for your body and like berries and things of that nature. What happens is is sugar creates sugar cravings. So whether Mm -hmm. you are eating the banana or you're eating candy, you're still drawing in that palate desire for more sugar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you eat the bananas, let's say you eat them in a smoothie. Well, there's multiple issues. There's multiple things around smoothies too. But when you eat them in a smoothie, you're getting all the sugar at once super spike in your blood sugar, which is okay, but then it has to come down. And so there's Mm -hmm. not enough, there's not enough longevity of that sugar to really keep you energized for the day. Whereas if you're eating something more complex, like a sweet potato or a whole potato or a white potato or rice, you're going to sustain that energy longer. Mm -hmm. And you don't really want those sugar cravings, right? Because then you're into the bag of Halloween candy or you're into the bag of, you know, cookies and desserts that come up, especially as we're, you know, in this season of treats, it seems as though, you know, there's sugary things all over the place. And so that fruit might lead you to grab other sweet treats that you wouldn't normally have grabbed if you'd eaten maybe just berries for breakfast. Now I Mm -hmm. know that the mastering diabetes program does advocate for fruit and that's the polar opposite of what everybody, including most of my clients feel about the, you know, managing their diabetes, but it's been shown that insulin resistance is actually the, uh, the is caused by fat in the bloodstream. And mm. so if you eat too much fat, your cells aren't able to pull the insulin out of the, out of the blood into your, into your cells. And the, the fat is the barrier of that. So if you eat less oh, fat, wow you're able to, your body's better able to process that, making you less insulin resistant, which is why on the mastering diabetes plan, they do suggest that you eat low fat, high starch, which is the opposite of any diabetic. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, can we unpack this a little bit? (laughs) Cause I feel like this is something we definitely want to unpack. A couple things that I want to just touch on is so I've always been taught that fat is really important for our hormones. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been taught that we need fat and we need cholesterol. We need to be able to have that healthy hormonal cascade. So I'd be really curious to see what you're seeing with your clients. If you're, if you're not seeing hormonal imbalances, for example, the other thing, I had never heard that about too much fat and insulin resistance. So that's really interesting. I'm definitely going to go on a research Research. (laughs) rabbit hole but i am curious what you're seeing with your clients i i kid you not i hear this all the time that the fat is needed for a healthy hormonal cascade and maybe it's that we need fat we just don't need as much as we think Mm. i know that in say a paleo approach you're obviously eating way more fat 
than you are carbohydrate, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious of what you're seeing with your clients. Are they experiencing hormonal imbalances or is it the opposite? Are they feeling like things are coming into more alignment? There's, there's definitely more alignment and the clients that I do that are, that I am, you know, working with that are following these mastering diabetes type plans that are low fat, they are low fat in the sense of low processed fat. Mm -hmm. So it's a reduction in oil, which is basically Mm -hmm. extracted fat where, you know, and I always say like, people are like, well, oil's healthy. And I'm like, let's take a step back. And I love the word (laughs) unpack. Let's unpack the healthiness of that. So Mm -hmm. olive oil might be healthier than canola oil and healthier than bacon fat, but Mm -hmm. the fat from the whole olive that has the fiber, the antioxidants, the nutrients is healthier than the olive oil. Okay. Yeah. Just like, just like the other one we were just talking about. Um, when it comes to, oh, fruit, (laughs) just how it's better to have the whole fruit than it is to say, have some fruit juice. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you're basically with the oil, you're basically extracting the fat out and you're, you're literally with oil, you're literally eating the fat of the olive instead of getting the whole olive. And so, you know, my recommendation or what I, when I work with my clients, it's usually there is some type of fat in the form of ground flax seeds to really pack in those omega threes and omega six fatty acids. Uh, walnuts are a great source of omega three and omega six fatty acids. They have a great balance. So they're, you know, they're protein as well as the balance of the omega three, omega six. So those are usually the things that, that I include in recipes for that. And then avocados are an excellent source. So use the avocado over the avocado oil. So if you're, if you're like a traditional you traditionally like creamy dressings, maybe you throw an avocado in the blender instead of or mash the avocado up instead of, you know, using oil and just allows Mm -hmm. you to get the whole, the whole fat with the nutrients and the fiber and the antioxidants versus the extracted fat. Yeah. This is so interesting to me. I know. Um, so I, I don't know that I've talked about it on the podcast a ton, but I've been transitioning to be more plant-based. I know that Christina is not, but, um, Hey, 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 well, I just mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, (laughs) I think after like so many years of being told with chronic illness, with Hashimoto's, I had to eat paleo or keto. That was the only way I was going to lose weight. It was the only way I was going to feel better. And I kept, you know, kind of pushing back on these doctors and coaches I was working with because I was like, but I don't feel better. I actually feel worse when I eat more meat. And intuitively I've always felt, I mean, since I was little, I've felt pulled to be more plant-based for like, um, like personal reasons, not even just like my health, just like me and animals, how I feel about that. But I've always stayed away from it because with chronic illness, um, a lot of us are told that like eating a vegan or plant-based diet is like an absolutely not. In fact, with Hashimoto's, I've been told before not to do that. And so finally I got to the point, I mean, just maybe a couple months ago, I think it was right before we, we signed to have you on the, the podcast that I was like, I think for the first time I'm going to not listen to what everybody else is doing, saying and telling me to do. And I'm going to actually just try what I've felt is right. And one of the things I've been doing is kind of following, um, just like incorporating more plants 
incorporating less oil. I've been just blown away by the fact of like how easy it is to just cook with like vegetable broth instead of oil. <laughs> it's, it's easy. It's super easy. And it, my pans don't stick and everything's fine. Um, so it's just interesting, like getting into that space. So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that because I know Christina's heard this and I know that we've heard it before. If you have chronic illness or specifically with us, Hashimoto's not a vegan diet is not for you. And I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts are on that, because obviously you don't believe that. (laughs) So I'm interested in hearing. And Josie, I want to add to that too. I think one of the reasons that we're told, so maybe you can help in your answer is that generally we don't want to go high carb. So that's what I usually hear is we don't want to go high carb. We generally tend to be insulin resistant, blood sugar. So I'm just curious just to give you a little bit more for that answer, because I think that's one of the main reasons we're told that. I mean, I could really unpack this, but (laughs) do it. Um, Go go. ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But I think one of the reasons, so one of the big things that I've found over the last eight years in researching this and really being in tune with a lot of the plant-based doctors, specifically Dr. Gregor of nutritionfacts.org and Dr. McDougall is a lot of times nutrition isn't taught at, in the medical field. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that they don't, you know, that a doctor doesn't have their best interests at heart, your best interest at heart, but they might not know. They might have always been told the same things they're telling you because mm-hmm. that's what that's what they were told. That's what the thought was. And I have a friend who has cleared four autoimmune issues, eating whole food, plant-based. And one of the things that she really, you know, really found is that the more plant-based foods that she ate, the more things started to clear, the symptoms started to clear up because she was treating it with food at the source. Mm -hmm. So, you know, healing gut issues, um, healing insulin resistance at the source where it really allows the body to function at its full form. And I think carbs are an easy out because for most of us and most of the things that we eat, carbs, aren't usually a whole food, right? right? We're usually eating processed spaghetti. We're eating baked potatoes loaded with dairy, cheese, sour cream, butter loaded with bacon. We're eating a lot of these carbohydrates that are, that are manipulated by other food groups that are really, that's really the the fault of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Think about the last three ways that people might've eaten a potato. It's usually smothered in dairy, deep fried, or smothered in more dairy. Like if you think like no, or oil. So, so you never really eat the potato by itself. So if the result of eating the potato fried or the potato covered in butter and sour cream spikes your insulin, making you insulin resistant, is it the potato or is it the fat? And I think that's where it really comes down to, you know, giving it a try, you know, what happens if you try it? And I'm I advocate with all of my clients, like if you decide to take control over your illness with a diet, you have to consult with a medical practitioner. I had Mm -hmm. one client specifically, she called me one day and she's like, Kathy, I'm just so tired. I just don't know what's going on. And I was like, you need to call your doctor right now because it's likely you're over-medicated. And she was because the Mm -hmm. food was impacting her insulin resistance in a 
is in a positive way. And she was taking too much medicine to counterbalance that. And so she was, and obviously I can't fix her medic. You know, I, I'm not equipped to fix her medical issues. So I'm always advocate if you're going to take control of your medical, you know, your health issues, your medical concerns, and you're on medication for it, you really need to work closely with your medical practitioner because there's, it can happen really fast and it, it really can change the way the, the amount of medicines that you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see that with clients when they're taking blood pressure medications, their blood sugar or their blood pressure will get too low because they've been taking something to suppress it. And now they're also doing the work naturally, Mm -hmm. which is such a testament to doing the natural stuff. I just posted a long, we'll call it a, I don't know, just on my Instagram, I was just thinking about how we get away from the simple stuff. And we start Mm -hmm. to think that it always has to be the next big sexy thing. And oftentimes, it's the stuff that we were wired to do. And we just got away from it in in service of this dream we thought we needed to fulfill that wasn't even ours. Mm -hmm. So so that really brought that up. I, I think we'd be remiss. And you know, we're digging into this deep because we have a lot of listeners that are going to be going, what? This is the opposite <laughs> of what I've been told. We will get to the cookbook for sure, which by the way, I love. But I think it's really good to bring these points up because for those people that may be skeptical or they they really want to have that information before they dive in, I think this is really helpful to just unpack some of these things that we we've, we hear all the time. I think we'd be remiss though if we didn't talk about how we always hear that when we go plant-based there's potential vitamin and mineral deficiencies that will will and can occur b12 and iron come to mind but i know there's plenty of others and the reason i want to bring this up is people with chronic illness usually struggle with nutrient deficiencies that's such a big piece of the chronic illness puzzle and it's actually one of the biggest drivers for chronic illness symptoms So I'm curious about your thoughts on, do you think, for example, that being plant-based could enhance nutrient absorption? That's one, one question that I would have. Uh, In my, in my research and just in my own experiences, the more whole foods I ate, the easier it was for me to feel better. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, my standard answer, right? The disclaimer, a blood panel is the only way you're really going to know. And I put that in quotes because we all know how we feel. Mm. You just might not be able to recognize a deficiency because you've been, you've been experiencing so many other symptoms of, of, you know, either pain or fatigue. And, you know, you might find that there's certain foods that do increase iron absorption for you. You might, you might find alternate sources, but obviously with a blood panel and being able to take supplements, I supplement with B12. I used to supplement with vitamin D when I lived in Pennsylvania because of the day, the sunshine. Mm -hmm. Now I just, now that I chase flip-flop weather in my RV, I just get out in the sunshine. (laughs) I just get out in the sunshine more often. Um, but I think it's really you know, one of the hardest things I think that people, especially with chronic illness or people who have fought chronic fatigue or, or any type of long-term symptom, it really is, you've been fighting it for so long and dealing with the symptoms, you start to forget how you can feel. And so, you know, you, you, you're, you're taking medication, you're eating a certain way, and then you start to change it. And you're like, wow, I feel more energized but I don't know what's causing that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that 
I want to make sure that we, we include too, in talking about this is yeah, vegan veganism definitely gets a bad rap for uh, nutrient deficiencies because let's face it, Oreos are vegan, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's a brand, there's a flavor of Doritos that are vegan. Mm-hmm. You know, we already talked about the tons of different processed foods that are vegan, the the mock meats, things like that. But if you're truly following more of the whole plant foods and really working to eat, I always say eat the rainbow because I feel like that gives you that balance of antioxidants and, you know, those dark leafy greens can help with iron absorption, things like molasses, you know, just those odd things that you might not normally get in your everyday diet. You start to add those in because you're not used to eating lentils. You're not, you know, you, if you eat lentils, it was like maybe once a month in a soup, but like now you're eating them a couple times a week. And so you're, mm-hmm. you're eating different foods with different nutrients that are starting to really build up that, that variety in your diet. And just with the, the nutrients that you can get and you start to see, and, you know, like I said, it goes back to the doctor, like if you're starting this kind of a lifestyle change, you really do need to monitor your blood panel. You really do need to, to work with somebody that can, can help with that, those pieces so that you aren't deficient because we want the whole objective is to feel better, right. Right. Not to feel worse. Right. Right. And I think about too, like for some of this stuff, um, I already am taking supplements and I've been eating, you know, like a, a heavy meat diet. So it's like, you know, if, if I have to take different supplements to help kind of combat that it's nothing like new to me, I guess, if, when I think about it that way, what were you gonna I was going to say that too, Jesse, that was what came to my head was, so I eat meat, but I will definitely say that I've had issues with iron like my whole life. So mm-hmm. I, I know so many people who eat meat and plant-based, but basically what I'm saying is I see nutrient deficiencies across the board. So right. I don't necessarily think it's only plant-based because I, I do see a lot of meat eaters, myself included, that have struggled with iron deficiency and other things. And I think that goes back to the gut. Right. Oftentimes, poor absorption gut-wise, just widespread. It doesn't matter what kind of diet you're eating if your gut's not good. And eating more plants will help your gut. So I could see how that could be a positive cascade effect, 100%. And one thing I think is really good to note is people don't need to go from zero to 100 here. They don't right. need to go from eating a carnivore diet to vegan, maybe we go to carnivore with three plants at every meal. Mm. I, I think it's so easy to need to do everything perfectly. People think they need to follow this plan 100%. What are your thoughts on people who want to be flexivegans or flexitarians <laughs> and kind of flirt with it a little bit before they jump all in? I mean, oops. My philosophy really is intention over perfection. And again, it goes back to like the slack that I get, like as an ethical vegan, obviously I should be standing up and being like, no, everybody needs to go vegan, but that's not practical. Mm -hmm. I mean, go back eight years. I was like, oh heck no, I'm not giving up burgers and blue cheese dressing. Like I was pretty (laughs) adamant that, and it took me eight months to really find the foods that satisfied the the things that I had the hangups on. And I'm working with a couple of clients now and they're like, I just don't want to be 100%. I want to have that Turkey piece on Thanksgiving. And I'm like, I'm my, I'm always honest. If I were to go and eat dairy or Turkey right now, I would probably be violently ill because Mm -hmm. I have not had animal protein in so long. And, you know, I just, I choose not to eat that, but that doesn't mean, like I said, that I'm not going to eat the vegan burger. And I think, you know, one of the, I think 
I think the, the whole belief on trying to be perfect really comes back to like the, the diet cult, the diet culture that we live in. Like everything is either restrictive and perfect, or you're like either all in or you're not even going to try it. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's not necessary. I think in the case of this, you know, especially people with chronic fatigue and chronic illness and just fighting this, all these symptoms, adding in more high fiber foods will help to heal the gut, allowing for more absorption of Mm -hmm. those nutrients. And it may be simply adding three new vegetables or having a second side of vegetables or adding, you know, dark leafy greens instead of maybe iceberg or romaine, you know, it's, it's more about which vegetables you're eating, which whole foods you're eating, you know, at each meal. Like, are you eating, you know, a piece of chicken and an iceberg lettuce salad, or let's say a Caesar salad, or are you eating, you know, a spinach salad with a small side of salmon and then broccoli on the side or a potato on the side. And like, how are you mixing those foods so that you are getting more whole foods and reducing some of those, those foods that cause reactions, dairy, um, you know, gluten, things of that nature. And what I find is a lot of people, you know, they, they go gluten-free and they feel better but they don't feel a hundred percent because they're still eating dairy. And I think that Mm -hmm. dairy also plays such a huge role in a lot of the, the illnesses that we have. Huge, huge, huge. And then, and then, so then, you know, you hear, you've got, you've got people who are like, I can't have gluten. I can't have dairy. If I go plant-based, what am I going to eat? And I think, <laughs> right. I think that's Oreos, really the, right. <laughs> I think that's really, now they have gluten-free Oreos. I think exactly. that's really the hangup, right. Is like, what am I going to eat if I can't have gluten and I can't have dairy. And now you're telling me I can't have meat. Like, what am I going to eat? And it's really digging into what are those whole food options that you already like, mm-hmm. right. Do you love sweet potatoes? Do you love white potatoes? Do you love brown rice? Do you love you know, dark green leafy salads? Do you love asparagus, broccoli, fruit? You know, what, what of the foods that fit in that whole food spectrum, do you already enjoy? Eat more of those, Take, yeah. make it less complicated. Just add more plants, right? Eat more plants. That's my philosophy. Well, I'm yeah. looking at your cookbook here and you have so many yummy recipes. So one that really speaks to me is the flax and berry breakfast muffins. That's mm. my jam. I can do that every <laughs> single morning. And then I like that you also have basics too, cinnamon and fruit baked oatmeal, for example. And these are just examples of things that taste yummy and you're still having that palate. Your palate is happy. To your point, I think some people feel like it has to be this extraordinary on the perfect thing they feel like every meal now is going to be this chef's freaking whatever what's that what's the oh michelin star meal (laughs) you know versus you could put together some oatmeal and some apples and some cinnamon and whatever else so yeah i like that about your your cookbook i know we're going to touch on that a little bit later but that just kind of stood out to me as your recipes are doable even if you're super busy which i think will help people who are trying to eat more plants because it it's just one less layer of resistance that they have to deal with because they're already going to deal with that probably the first weekend they're going to be doubting themselves and struggling because it's just new anything Mm -hmm. new you know our brain just naturally resists it yeah brain's the protector right it's like Mm -hmm. no this is scary and different don't do that go back to your old status quo (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Right. I feel so I've kind of started transitioning into this lifestyle. Like we've talked about, um, a little bit here and you kind of started to go into it, but I'm just wondering for someone, you know, like me or others who are out there listening, who are on these very strict paleo keto type of diets that they want to incorporate more, um, fruits and vegetables into their diet. You kind of started to mention it, but what's like the easiest way to get started with just incorporating more stuff. And then also for the people out there who are like, I don't have time for that. Cause that was something for me in the beginning, it was interesting. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to like cook all these vegetables and I have to do all this stuff. And I have to like, think about what I'm going to eat versus just eating a hunk of meat and a, you know, whatever. And like, but anyway, so my thought process has changed around it and it's actually not as difficult as I thought it would be, but I'm just wondering what would be your advice to someone who's just getting started and it's like, okay, then maybe they don't want to go fully plant-based, but they just want to add more into their diet. What can they do? Yeah. I always recommend going the path of least resistance. And Christina really touched on it with some of those easy recipes. Like think about things that you're already eating that are whole plant foods. Are you already eating beans? Are you already eating, you know, can you add a serving of potatoes? And I know that with some, especially like the paleo and the keto, those are really scary things to start to add in, right? Like you've been eating low carb for so long that now you're going to add this in, but thinking about ways that you can add them in and still feel better. So maybe you eat half as much meat and you eat a serving of, you know, beans. So you're still getting protein. There are some carbs and beans, but don't be scared of them. (laughs) And like, you know, really start looking at ways that you can cook with vegetable broth. Can you eat plant-based meals, you know, for breakfast and lunch, and then, and, and start to add it in and see how you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, and really reframe kind of the way you think about food, which, you know, for somebody like me who came from, you know, the standard American diet eight years ago. And then from this vegan junk food diet, it really was about how can I make this easy? You know, like, yes, I love to cook. I, I authored three cookbooks. Like I, I love it, but that doesn't mean that I want to spend all the time in the kitchen. And Mm -hmm. funny enough, we were talking about having a hobby before, before we started recording earlier. And I was thinking to myself, like my hobby used to be recipes. And then it became like work. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you write a cookbook and all of a sudden cooking is work. And (laughs) now I'm like, let's, let's make this as easy as possible. And my days are easy. Even as a cookbook author, I eat oats for breakfast, very simple oats, berries, ground flax, uh, some cinnamon, some non-dairy milk. I usually pick one that has a higher protein amount. So unsweetened soy, um, unsweetened, like cashew milk, unsweetened almond milk, something like that. I do add a little maple syrup, but you could easily use dates. You could do a mashed banana, something else. If you didn't want the, you know, the sugar, even though maple syrup is not as refined as whole sugar or white sugar, it still is sugar. And then my lunch is simple starch and salad. So Mm -hmm. I'll eat like baked potato, baked sweet potato, brown rice. Half my plate is the starch and beans. The other half of my plate is dark leafy greens with lots of my favorite veggies. And then I whip up a simple no blender dressing, something like rice vinegar and tahini or lemon juice, tahini and water and garlic, you know, something easy that I can easily get to get in the kitchen between calls, between, you know, client work, whatever I'm doing. And then my dinner is usually a planned 
recipe from either one of my cookbooks, from Instagram, from Pinterest, from somebody else's plant-based cookbook. Like I keep it really simple and I Mm. usually make three or four meals a week and then eat leftovers the next day. It's just my husband and I, we don't have kids. So we're able to take a recipe that serves four and eat it twice. And you know, that's what we eat. And we used to be Mm -hmm. super complex. If you go back and watch old YouTube videos, you're watching me put together like five, five step, five different recipe type (laughs) meals. And now I'm like, no, Mm. simplify, take the complexity out of it and just eat more plants. Yeah. And I want to mention too, like the one thing that was interesting for me, I've loved potatoes my whole life. Like I'm from Northern Wisconsin girl, like we're always eating potatoes and I loved them. And it was one of those things that, you know, I wasn't allowed to eat anymore. And I started eating them when I started going more plant-based because they're very satiating. So that was the thing for me is like, they're uh, more satiating to me than even rice can be. So it, and sometimes me and rice don't always get along. So with, with potatoes, they were very satiating. They filled me up. I felt good and warm and full afterwards, but it really wasn't a ton of calories. If you're thinking about it that way or anything like that. And one of the other things too, that, um, that I think that your cookbook is really great for too. But like, I think a lot of people, when they think about going more plant-based, they're like, Oh, so I have to eat a smoothie all day. Like, I don't, I don't like personally, I don't really like smoothies sometimes occasionally I'll have one, but I don't particularly like them. And you do not have to eat a smoothie twice a day to, to be a vegan or to be more plant-based, you know, if that's a way that you want to get in more vegetables, you can, but there's so many other good satiating warm foods, especially going into like a colder time of year. I know we're, we're all kind of in like a little bit warmer of climates, but like it's getting colder out there and nobody, not everybody wants to eat like a smoothie or a salad every day. So there are things that you can incorporate that are warm and filling and, you know, nurturing to that. Definitely potato soups, you know, potato and vegetable mm, soups. Like gazpacho like almost. Mm. Ooh, I was thinking warm, but gazpacho. Would be, oh, we're thinking warm. Oh my I was thinking like a warm <laughs> potato mushroom yes, carrot yes. kind of stew or soup. Okay. I, I think that's funny. So it's interesting, Jesse. I, so two years ago when I really set out on eating whole food plant-based, it was for specifically for weight loss. That was like my, mm-hmm. my pivotal event was, was a weight loss situation. And I didn't, I didn't drink smoothies because the whole food plant-based doctors are like for a weight loss situation, you're basically drinking your calories. You'd be better off right. eating it all in a bowl and slowing down the process. And so mm-hmm. for two years, I think I've had like maybe 10 smoothies. I mean, that's insane from someone who used to drink a smoothie every single day because it was portable. I could make it, dump it in a glass and hop in the car and commute to work drinking my smoothie. But I mean, that's awesome that we have that Mm. option, but we don't have to. And something I get all the time is people are like, well, if I'm going plant-based, how do I eat all those servings of vegetables? And I'm like, how you would normally eat with a fork and a spoon. (laughs) I'm always like, well, you don't have to necessarily eat only vegetables. Like we want to include things like whole grains, like oats, you know, farro, maybe some brown rice, maybe some quinoa, maybe Mm -hmm. some, you know, other millet things. I'm trying to think of non-gluten grains, millet. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, it doesn't have to be like broccoli, cauliflower, lettuce. Mm -hmm. It can be like oats and berries. That's still plant-based, 
and it, they're still whole foods. It's, I think we get stuck in like, oh no, I'm plant-based. I need to eat spinach and tofu. <laughs> right. You don't actually have to eat either of those things if you don't want to. So I'm over here giggling because I actually freaking love smoothies. I've had a smoothie for breakfast every morning. I don't even know for at least two years. So I'm one of those people, I love smoothies and I put all sorts of weird stuff in mine. I put kale and I actually just posted yeah. an Instagram poll today. I said, <laughs> I want you to vote. And one pe one picture was kale and the other was a bar face. <laughs> I was like, who <laughs> likes putting kale in their smoothie? So, but to your point, if you don't like smoothies, you can do that. I actually right. want to touch on this though, because we keep skimming over it and we need to talk about it. And that is that you're traveling in an RV. So let me just say, <laughs> let, me, let me just say, let me just say. I have been working on manifesting a tiny home slash RV schooly life for at least two years. And when I say manifesting, I mean talking my husband into this. <laughs> I took him to a tiny home festival. Didn't work. He was into it like 20%, but I need that, eight, that other 80. So anyway, I'm fangirling at the fact that you're actually doing it because I love coming in contact with people, again, that I can speak to more intimately versus just watching a YouTube video. We talked earlier about me stalking Jessie on her YouTube channel and how it was kind of weird because I know her. Right. But I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I always feel like, cool, I know you, but not really. But with you, it's like we're having this more intimate conversation, your life on the road. You're able to do this on the road, which means that's mm -hmm. a testament to being able to still do the plant-based and keep it simple. So a couple things. One, I would just love a little random side note, side chat about life on the road and then how you're navigating that. Because I know you probably don't have the, the chef's kitchen, for example, but you're mm -hmm. still able to make this work. So tell us a little bit about life on the road, because I'm sure I'm not the only tiny home freak listening and listening. I'm actually not <laughs> listening. I'm talking on the podcast, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And then also, yeah, like some examples of maybe how you're able to make this work and how it might be different if you were at home, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So we've been on the road for three years. It's actually wow. at the time of recording, we just passed our three year nomad anniversary. We sold our house in Pittsburgh, uh, downsized into a fifth wheel RV. So we actually have a truck and then the fifth wheel camper that we tow behind it. Uh, when we left Pittsburgh, we had three cats, but one of them did cross the rainbow bridge, but we do this with two cats. So mm -hmm. it's like, we literally just moved our life into the RV and we travel around. We typically stay in places for two weeks to a month, depending on the location. We're on a mission to stay in all the uh, connected, all the contiguous, contig I never can say that word. Uh, I, I can't either. So yeah. sorry. We can't help you on that one. All <laughs> the ones that are connected, connected, <laughs> the connected ones, but we do obviously want to go to Alaska and Hawaii. It's just, we don't know where, if this RV is going to go there, if we're going to do some other type of adventure, but, um, yeah, we, we hit the road. My husband works for a company and then I work, I run veg inspired as my soul, my soul responsibility or my soul job, I would say, um, so that's fun. I didn't always do that. When we first left, I worked part-time for the company that I worked for in Pittsburgh. So there was some transition time and we're on this mission to visit all the national parks. So not only mm -hmm. stay in all the U S states, but also visit all of the U S national parks. And we've actually been to, I think 18 now. And the, the two that are like top of the list are Glacier national park in Montana. It was mm -hmm. our number one favorite. We fell in love. We we keep saying like, if it wasn't cold there, we probably would still be there. And then we really liked Big Bend National Park in Texas. So ironically, we went all the way from Big Bend National Park, which you can look across the river and see Mexico, 
all the way to Glacier last summer or this past summer, uh, which is literally shares the border with Canada. So it's like we did that whole like Western little bit, not the actual West, all the Western states, but like up through Arizona and Utah and Idaho and Wyoming How and fun. all of that. It's just so fun. But some big differences, right? So I've been plant-based for eight years. So five years I lived in my sticks and bricks and now three years in the RV. And some of the big differences are we don't have the same grocery store, right? Mm. In Pittsburgh, we had a Whole Foods, we had a Trader Joe's, we had our you know favorite grocery stores, and now we're traveling. So one of the big learning lessons about plant-based eating is that when we were in love with all the plant-based products, the processed ones, we could find them because they were always at our grocery store, but move, you know, traveling, we can't always find the ones we love. So there's certain less processed ones that we'll order directly. And then we really stopped eating those, right? Like every now and then we'll see like field roast burgers and we'll grab those because while they do have some oil, they do have a lot more cleaner ingredients or, you know, we'll, we might grab a bag of hippies, cheesy puffs or something like that. But for the most part, eating whole plant foods has really allowed us to find the potatoes, the rice, the beans, the veggies in these small town grocery stores. And then where the, where the like interesting part is one of the big things that we love to do is eat at vegan restaurants and support restaurants that have intentional vegan options. And that was what we did that first year on the road Mm. that really caused me to get into the junk food, processed food, dining out all the time, not cooking at home mentality. And that's really what kind of led me both astray from the more plant-based options, but also led me back, right? Eating so much processed food left me feeling so bad that I had to make, I was at a pivotal point where I had to make a decision to take control of my health. So it's like, it was almost a blessing in disguise. And now I'm able to support those plant-based restaurants and vegan restaurants with intention and Mm -hmm. really seek out the ones that speak to me. And they're usually places where I can't get something that I could make at home. So like, I love a good, you know, brick oven pizza. We don't have a brick oven in our RV. We'll probably never (laughs) have a brick oven in our RV. Like that just wouldn't make sense. But like I can make boot bowls or smoothie bowls or, you know, things of that nature at home. Cause I do have my Vitamix. (laughs) So it's usually, I look more for the restaurants that have something I can't have. Like there's one locally here where we are now that has a vegan waffle. So Mm. that is like, I've got my laser set on that because we don't have a waffle maker. Like I can't make a waffle. I can make pancakes, but I can't make a waffle. Right. So you kind of have a toss up that way. I love that you're also able to find balance. I'm one of those people call me a hopeless romantic or whatever the word you would insert, but I believe in balance. Mm. I have seen some narratives that balance doesn't exist and I couldn't disagree more. Uh, To me, balance is when multiple parts of your life can coexist in harmony. That's balance Mm -hmm. to me. And yes, sometimes that does mean you're saying no to something. That doesn't mean there's an imbalance. It just means that you're maintaining said harmony. And to me, you're maintaining that harmony of honoring that core value of yours to eat mostly only stuff that you've cooked, mostly plants, not going overboard on the processed stuff. But then you can also have a waffle and not berate yourself for a week about it. You can truly Mm -hmm. enjoy it and delight in it. And like you said, support local at the same time. I think that's good. I think to me, that's the essence of balance. And when you're plant-based, I think that that's really important is to find that balance because 
dogma is something that is rampant in every sector of every industry, plant-based, non-plant-based. We all know whatever you want to believe, you'll find whatever you need to believe it, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially with the internet. <laughs> I tell my clients, I can find you an article to support whatever you want. You want to put butter whatever. in your coffee? I can find an article that says <laughs> you want to drink a bottle of wine every night. I bet I can find an article that'll, that'll support that. But does that align like you said, with your balance, with your, with the harmonious values that you have. And a lot of times it doesn't, which is why we feel so crappy. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I we get away it. from, we get away from listening to our bodies too. Right. I think that we are a, I would say globe. I was going to say nation, but I almost feel like globe, but let's just go with nation that is completely detached from our body's distress signals. Mm-hmm. We live very much so on autopilot. We really struggle to, and we had a guest recently who said that we can listen to our body's whispers or we can eventually listen to its screams. Mm-hmm. And usually once we hear it screaming, that's when we go to the doctor. Prior to that, the body's whispering and giving little nudges and explaining, hey, I'm not happy in, in some way. I think if we can get back to that, there's a body talk exercise that one of our guests recently talked about. Has that episode aired, Jesse? That episode aired? Yeah, that was with Lynn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was so great. I've actually been doing it myself. And she asks you to ask your body what it's trying to tell you with insert symptom here, and then what your body would like you to do about that symptom. And it sounds really kooky and weird, but I love it. (laughs) I've been doing it almost every morning. And I, I think when you're embarking on a journey like this an exercise like that could be really helpful because mm-hmm. there's going to be some imbalance or at least in, you're going to feel like there's imbalance because you're changing things up and maybe your digestive system starts to change. I know stool patterns start to change a lot when we switch certain types of diets, for example, and maybe you think it's a bad thing, but really your body is just, you know, changing itself in whatever ways it needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And to piggyback on that, a lot of times we'll get what, what people will say they're going through like a detox, right? You get, you get a lot of headaches if you're giving up caffeine or sugar or things that your body's had. But I love that you're saying, what's your body trying to tell you? Well, your body's telling you this, what you're feeding me is different from what you've been feeding me before. And one thing that I always tell my clients, like, If you're going to eat more plants, you have to drink more water because you start increasing that fiber and things get confused, your your (laughs) digestion, your, your intestines get a little, so we say runny or or stopped or not, or they stop up completely. (laughs) And you're like, oh gosh, what am I doing to my body? This isn't going to work. And I'm like, oh, hold on. Just drink some (laughs) more water. Like Mm -hmm. make sure that we're hydrating as we add that fiber. Mm. Yeah, that that's actually that's funny. I feel like I I'm I'm talking out there because I'm kind of in the beginning of my uh my cycle or not cycle, the beginning of my journey with all of this and and it's interesting that you say that cuz I noticed a couple of days ago. I was like my bathroom thing is off a little bit here. What's going on? And my husband's like, "Are you drinking any water?" And I'm like, no. So <laughs> that's probably what's happening, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what happens. And I like what Christina was talking about too, with like really listening to our bodies. And I think that that's why, like I started down this, this route for me, even though there is so much dogma in, in the chronic illness space specifically, that's telling us not to go down this space, or I've even had coaches tell me to do the exact opposite. And, um, 
and, but intuitively I've always felt like that's just not right for me. I don't know necessarily that I'll be like 100% vegan. Um, ethically I would prefer to be, but I don't know if I will, but I do know that incorporating more plants and less animal product in my life and in my, my body has felt good for me, no matter what the chronic illness space or doctor or not doctor, but like coaches and stuff are telling me. So I think that it's really helpful for our listeners out there who are listening to just, we're not telling you, you have to be plant-based. We're not telling you, you have to be a, a keto vore. Um, similar to what we talked about with a sim, uh, guest a few weeks ago, you just need to be a, what is it? A Christina vore, a Jesse vore, a Kathy vore. <laughs> you need to eat what feels good for you and, um, and really listen to those cues that your body is giving you. But yeah. Well, I just want to say one thing, and that's that I think then you start going down this path and over time you start to develop what it is that your big picture looks like. And when we approach it that way, that is much more pleasurable because we're learning on the way versus forcing ourselves again from zero to a hundred going, for example, carnivore to a completely plant-based. And I do still believe that different strokes for different folks. I do Mm -hmm. know there are people who don't do well, high carb, they've tried it and they feel terrible, but I do know there's lots of people that they've been told lots of things and they just, for example, we've talked about it. We're eating Oreos instead of the, (laughs) you know, I, I think that it's, we can give things a fair shot before, mm-hmm. but we can also take it slow. We don't have to put so much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. And I know personally for me, eating a more plant focused diet I, has actually been the least restricted I've ever felt since probably I was a child and wasn't thinking about diet culture. I think for me, it's actually been interesting. I thought it would be, um, Uh, it would, it would feel restrictive, but it's actually felt the least restrictive because I like so many plant focused things. And, you know, I'm not eating things like dairy that were making me feel awful before, but they just, it just kind of like snuck into stuff or like eggs. I've always been very sensitive to eggs. So, um, so yeah, it's just like, like you said, different strokes for different folks, but just figuring out what works for you. But I do want to make sure that we dive into, um, your cookbooks. We've kind of mentioned them throughout, but if you want to tell people what they're about, because I know the, they aren't necessarily these cookbooks that you look at and you're like, oh my God, this recipe is way too difficult. Like, I don't even know how to get started with this. They're very easy to use. Right. So can you tell us a little bit more about those? Absolutely. So I have three. The first one was the 30 minute whole food plant-based cookbook. It is very, they're very easy. The recipes are ready in 30 minutes. They're oil-free salt free and refined sugar free. So we do use sweeteners like fruits, like dried fruits, like raisins and dates, and then maple syrup. Um, but they're really focused. That book really focuses on getting it done in 30 minutes and has everything from your breakfasts all the way to your plant-based desserts. Cause I don't skip dessert. (laughs) Um, And then the super easy plant-based cookbook, which kind of targets getting it done easily, right? So we busted the myth that it's going to take a lot of time. We busted the myth now that it's going to be hard. And that one's fun because it's the recipes are categorized in no, no cook five ingredient, 30 minutes or less, and then one pot. 
And I didn't know that I would love the one pot meals as much as I do. Um, and they're, they're not necessarily a pot. Some of them are sheet pan meals, um, or, uh, you know, like one, we do this big salad and we mix up the dressing, but then you plate the salad directly into the bowl. So you're not dirtying all these things, but let's face it. I live in a tiny little kitchen with a no dishwasher other than my hands. So <laughs> those one, one dirty dish meals are way better for me. And then the third book busts the myth of price. And it really talks about how to eat plant-based on a budget. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that one is we also included a three-week meal plan. So you're able to kind of see how to eat that way on a three-week plan under $50 a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is definitely like a myth that I've heard a lot too, is like how expensive it can be, especially if you're eating organic, um, and things like that. So that's really cool. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I get the, I get the expense, right. You're in the grocery store and you're like, holy cow, regular cheese is a dollar 99 for 16 ounces and vegan cheese is 10 99 for 12 <laughs> ounces. Like vegan is expensive, but remember that's not necessarily what we're advocating. We're really focusing more on eating more whole plant foods. So now, now you get me and you're like, but Kathy cashews are like eight 99 a pound. That is correct. So <laughs> looking for ways that you can be more budget friendly, you know, maybe you buy the bits and pieces of the cashews instead of the big fancy cashews that are more expensive and, you know, starting to look at ways that you can trim other places so that you can invest in cashews or some of those other higher priced ingredients. Um, one of the things that is notable about the cookbooks too, is I wrote them all in the RV. So again, remember I was traveling different grocery stores. So I really had to make sure that the ingredients that are in there were able to be found at standard grocery stores. So I'd say the only odd things are like miso paste, um, tahini, nutritional yeast. Those are like the weird things that people might have to seek and find a little bit more at the grocery store. But for the general thing, it's, it's for the general recipes. It's not like you have to go find some odd ingredient off the coast of some weird <laughs> Island in some other country. Like I kept right. it pretty normal, pretty simple. So mm -hmm. yes. And those all can be found on my website, veginspired.com. There's links to all of those and you can order them from Amazon. And if you don't love Amazon, you can just get the ISBN number and any uh, bookstore can order it. So if you're more of a shop local, you can have a book local bookstore order. It'll just take more than the prime shipping. Right. Right. Which is slow right now anyway. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You might as well support the smaller bookstore. I'm giggling because I'm always, I don't know. I just feel like the little guys really lost out during COVID and mm -hmm. the bigger guys just got bigger. And so <laughs> since then, I've been really trying to be intentional about not supporting huge online retailers. So one thing I've been doing too, this is just random, your book's obviously not on Etsy, but I <laughs> go to Etsy now for little things that I would normally go to Amazon. And there's tons of smaller sellers that are selling things at comparable prices. Cool. So I don't know. Just That's awesome. That My best friend has an Etsy store. She'll love to know that I mentioned her. On yes. Yeah. <laughs> she still, she sells stickers and like greeting. Ooh, her out. What's her, what's her username thing or Karen Steger designs. Okay. Mm. You guys heard it. Go check it out. Yeah. I She'll love be stickers. thrilled. <laughs> we love to ask our guests is what is something that you like to do every day that keeps you feeling your best? Um, I, Three years ago, I would have been like, uh, I don't do anything every day. And now I have a very, very 
intentional morning routine. And I get up every single day and I pour myself a cup of green tea and I sit on the couch with my furry little kitty cat. He sits mm-hmm. on my lap. He like waits for me in the morning. It's so cute. Aww. He sits on my lap and I listen to um, a 10 minute gratitude timer. It's literally just 10 minutes of music. And I intentionally practice gratitude. That has changed my life, my business life, my personal life. When I don't do it, I feel it. And it really helps to recenter me on where I am and who I'm becoming as, as the, you know, stepping into my, my genius, like who I'm becoming as my best self. And that, that moment in time, if it's interrupted, I just, I feel it all day. And, you Mm -hmm. know, people will be like, well, you eat plants. You should feel good anyway. And I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) well, eating plants every day that helps too. But that 10 minutes of just quiet me time with a purring drooly little kitty on my lap, (laughs) like intentionally focusing on things in my life that I'm grateful for. I mean, you know, you, you see the quote online that says like a year ago, you were wishing to be where you were. I can't, I literally can't speak to like four years ago. I was wishing for this life I have right now. Like walking into work, dreaming about the days that I would work at my computer in the RV that I didn't have in a warm climate. And here I sit central Florida working from my RV, literally living my dream life. And you just, if you don't practice the gratitude, you for, you forget those things. That gives me Mm -hmm. chills Mm -hmm. because I feel like gratitude is one of those going back to the simple things that we have become numb to because we hear it a lot. So we hear Brene Brown talks about this. She says the antidote to suffering is foreboding joy is what she calls it, where we basically hijack ourselves out of feeling joy. She says the antidote to that is gratitude. And I feel like we hear that so much that we no longer believe in it as much as we used to. And I think if we can understand that when you hear something a lot, chances are it's for a reason. So when you hear Mm -hmm. that nature works, when you hear that gratitude works, when you hear that meditation works, all these different things, when you hear these over and over for years, it's because they've maintained themselves throughout the years because they work, right? They weren't Mm -hmm. just a fad that came and went, you know, and gratitude. I do this every day with my three-year-old. She comes over and sits down with me and we do our gratitudes. And then I write hers down and she says fun things. I like it when I'm at swim school and my teacher says I did good. And then, I'll, then she, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, writes mine down in, in the same little book. I'm trying to show her these things early in life because I know that she's going to get out into the world and there's going to just be a lot of things that can throw her energy off that she might not be anticipating because we don't shelter her, but we're definitely giving her a life that is not stressful or we're trying to, mm. you know. So I think gratitude is just a way that we can remain focused. That's what kept me going through COVID. We have a brick mm. and mortar that almost had folded and all of my scarcity mindsets came true. Every single one came true about money. And I had to find something deeper within myself in order to navigate that or I would have crumbled just as well, just as well, right? So gratitude was such a huge piece of that, rooting down into one thing that always stood out for me is everything always works out. Always. Right. I've been on planet Earth for 34 years. And I'm still here and I'm thriving. And sometimes thriving looks like money and sometimes it just looks like happiness, just intrinsic happiness, Mm -hmm. right? Regardless of what's going on outside of us. So yeah, gratitude for the win. I love that. I love that you shared that. Thank you. (laughs) I I mean, gratitude for the win is is awesome. So that's, Mm -hmm. 
thanks for sharing that too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that just encourages both of you talking about that. Like we've talked about on the podcast, I've definitely had a hard year mentally. And I think, I think one of the things that has fallen away for me is my gratitude practice. I feel like it's easy in the moment, you know, to be like, Ooh, I'm really grateful for this. But then I don't think about it the next day when somebody cuts me off at, at Starbucks or whatever, you know, whatever. (laughs) And I think that it's, um, even like what you're saying, sometimes I really struggle, like with where I'm at right now monetarily. But then when I think like, you know, three, four or five years ago, if a year and a half ago, really, if I would have known that I was doing like my podcast and I was doing like online marketing work for people for my own business, I would have been like, no, you're not. (laughs) So I think (laughs) that's not possible, but here you are. Right. But here I am. And so I think that it's just like such a good practice to keep, to keep going. But Um, one thing too, before I forget, I want to make sure that people know how they can connect with you because I know you also work with people too, besides, um, your cookbook. So if people want to connect with you online, what would be the best way to do that? They have definitely connect with me on Instagram at veg inspired. I'm very active on Instagram. I love, you know, being social on social. That's the whole point, right? So you can find me at veg inspired. And then I do have a free community veg inspired foodies. So it's just veg inspired.com slash foodies. So Mm -hmm. veginspired.com slash foodies or veginspired on Instagram. Those are the best places to connect with me. That's where I'm the most active. Um, and it really just allows us to have more social conversation. You can ask questions, interact, whatever, get some cool stuff. Yeah. Yay. And is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners before we go today? I know we've touched on so much. I feel like this was a really thorough interview and I I'm happy about that. Is there anything that we have missed that you want to tell our listeners? Not, not, I don't think we missed anything, but one of the things that I was thinking as you were talking is no matter where, what, what you take from this, one of the biggest takeaways or something that I want you to leave, you know, leave you with is however you decide to eat. If you're in eating intuitively, like Jesse was talking about and Christina were talking about, have the confidence to advocate for yourself. So if you go into the doctor and you're like, listen, I know that you are told to not have me eat carbs, but I feel my best self. I feel different when I eat this way in a good, positive way. Learn to advocate for yourself. Bring the book that you read track your food, ask for the blood panels, but learn to advocate for yourself. Because I think a lot of times we get so caught up in trusting what other people say that we stop listening to ourselves. And if I can encourage you to take one action, it's to, to listen intuitively to your body and then learn to advocate for yourself and have the confidence in how you feel as the reason that you want to do something that you do. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that so much. So thank you so much for being on today, Kathy and everybody make sure that you go grab one of her cookbooks or head on over to her online communities and connect with her. But we've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been really helpful. And, um, and yeah, I love that last piece that you said about advocating, because I think that that's, that's such good advice all in the whole sphere of life, right. To just like, listen to yourself, you know, your body best and, and being able to advocate for yourself and, and hold that space for you, I think is really important. So thank you so much for being on today. Yes. Thank you. It was so fun. Thank you to both of you, Jesse, Christina. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.